everybody pitches like, you know, three points in a poem. I think that's how you do it. I, that's not me. God bless the teachers. We need them. Yeah, we do. Amen. Yeah. So um, we've had an interesting time. I'm from Weinberg, as Dylan said, one of the elders there. And um, our lead guy, Ross, has uh, been uh, sent off to, that's um, in the middle now, in, uh, to Hermanus. And this morning was the first meeting we had with no Ross. And it was just different, eh? But, um, you know, um, Estian, who's taken over, has been in the congregation for nine years. He's been an elder for probably three, I don't know, even maybe more. But he's kind of just stepped into the role so well, and he preached such a good word this morning. Um, and people really rallied to him. And so, you know, change is a nice thing, but it's difficult. Change is an awkward thing. We don't, we don't really like change. When you get to my age, you don't want to change much. You don't. You just get into a routine. You know, you get up in the morning, you do what you do, and then young guys from TMT phone and say, Uncle Jeff, can I come and shadow you? <laughs> and I don't respond immediately, and then two days later they say, well, can I come? And I'm still trying to get it, you know, into my head that I'm going to have some other person in my flat. And that means it's going to change all my routines, because I've got a routine. And it works for me. And so have you. And if you don't have one, get one. You need a routine with Jesus. You do. You don't just haphazardly decide, oh, you know, it's quite a good idea to, you know, do a little bit of a Bible read. They must have routine. Don't be, do it religiously, but do it properly. Now, this little guy's going to come. It's going to be fun. Neil, I'm giving you the date. It's the end of the month. The 29th, I think, is a Friday. No, that's the Saturday. The 28th, book him for the youth. Friday night's my night out. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> you know, and God does things in our lives. You know, I've got a saying that God takes a long time to do something suddenly. God takes a long time to do something suddenly. And Estian said that when he got saved, he felt God speak to him about the ministry, and he knew it would happen sometime, but he said, it was just like suddenly, and Ross was off and I'm in, and God does that, and we have to be ready for those events, those happenings in our life, and that's why we need to have some kind of discipline time to spend with God so that we don't find ourselves floundering, which you'll find I'm going to speak about. The other thing is that, you know, God works all things together. Things don't work together. God works all things together. Things, you know, I, I thought things worked together. It messed up my life completely until God got into it. Then God works all things together for the good. To those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans, not you. Not you. No, Romans. You see, we've got to know that scripture. Ma'am, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, you know, Romans 8, 28, so I'm just winding up. It's a very important verse. And so um, years ago, we, we, just as the change was happening in South Africa, we went to a conference, a whole group of us in England, and um, people said, can we do a seminar on what's going on in South Africa? And we spoke on this verse. God works, because we didn't know what was going to happen in 1994-5. Now we know. Help us, Lord. But we didn't know then. And we were excited at the possibilities. We were excited about democracy. We were excited about equality. We were excited because what had been before was wrong. And we were excited. And a lady did me a little, I don't know what it's, the little painting thingy majiggy on a piece of material. She drew little flowers and all. And she put Romans 8.28. And this is what she wrote. When everything's going wrong, actually everything's going right. Think about that. And I think you mentioned that sometimes. It's hard. Change is, you have crises. I had crises in my life. But you don't give up. 
No, we serve a great God. Do I understand it? Often not. But I know him. And I know he's able to do above all we ask or even imagine. And most of you have got very big imaginations. And God can do more than that, far more, if you trust him. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture, a long passage, out of two kings. It's about a guy called Naaman. And uh, it's about a servant girl. And it's about Elisha. And it's about the king of Israel. And it's about a servant called Gehazi. So we're going to read a long passage of scripture. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. My good friend over there, who I know from long ago. Like I know you from long ago, and you from long ago, and you from long ago, and yeah, all of you from long ago. It's amazing how God does things. So 2 Kings 5, the whole chapter. Don't go to sleep on me in the reading. This is the word of God. Amen? So I'll try and read it with great dexterity and authority. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl had uh, the girl from Israel had said, by all means, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking him with him, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And in the modern day, most pastors would have accepted that glory. Hallelujah, I'm being provided for. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't bring enough gold, brother. The letter that he took to the king of Israel led with a letter... This letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and he said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow and someone send someone to me to be cured of his, of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come up to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the, the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the rivers in uh, Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Yeah, good. Those rivers. <laughs> Could, couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father. <laughs> Sorry, that's a private joke. My <laughs> My father, whenever she sees me, I've lost my place now, I'm sorry. My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept anything. Even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, then please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. So he got saved. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. So he was thinking ahead of what the challenge was going to be when he got back. 
And Elisha said to him, go in peace. And Naaman, after Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. And surely, as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So he hurried after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running towards him, he got down from his chariot to meet him and said, is everything all right? Everything is all right, Gehazi said. My master sent me, my master sent me, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. And he urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. And when Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servant and put them away in his house. And he went and he sent them in away and they left. And then he went and he stood before his master, Elisha. Where have you been, Gehazi? Elisha said. Uh, your servant didn't go anywhere. Gehazi answered, but I love this. Elisha said to him, was not, that, was, was, not that my, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or men's servants and maidservants? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and was leprous. It's quite an amazing story. It's a, it's a narrative. It's a story. It's a God story. But there are five people in the story, and I want to just quickly highlight, oh, I should have put my phone on. Um, who said, yeah? I, I always go over time, and I'm sorry. I'm like an old Baptist. You know, I say lastly, and then I lost. You know, in a nutshell, and the nutshell never gets finished. Um, no, no, just, it's quarter past now. Two. You guys push a man. Now, anyway, no, we'll get there, we'll get there. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. So let's look at the servant girl. Let's look at the servant girl. She. Load shedding. Oh, well, when we go six o'clock, everybody will be so grateful there's load shedding. They'll forget I spoke so long. <laughs> the servant girl. She's a prisoner in a foreign country. She's actually a slave who went to Somerset West last week or the week before, two weeks ago. What a word. Come on, say amen. What a word. Amen. We're not just servants, we're slaves. This was a slave taken by the Arameans, captured, and she was now, um, she's probably being used and abused because slaves were doing that, they did that. They were ill-treated they were being subjected to the worship of foreign gods. Just like Naaman went to, said to Elisha, look, when I go into the temple of Ramon, you know, please, can, can God forgive me that I bow down because this is my boss and I've got to, you know, do this stuff. So she was being taught uh, foreign gods. She could have been bitter. She could have been selfish. She could have said about Naaman, it's your problem, bro. She could have said about Naaman, don't make your problems mine. My kids, when they were at school up here in Bergfleet, used to have a teacher. And uh, my kids were good. I mean, they always did their homework. I'm not, it's not my kids, but this is what the teacher used to say to other kids who never did their homework. He would say, don't make your problems mine. And that's what she was saying. Don't make your problems mine. Naaman, I'm, I, I've been, I'm a slave. Don't make your problems mine. You took me away from my home. It serves you right. Tough. Ach, shame. What a pity. You can't win them all. God bless you. That's what she could have said. But she had a heart. In her state, she had a heart. This evil man who ran this big army, she was a believer. She wasn't bitter. She wasn't selfish. She believed in God and in God's man. She just wants to help Naaman. She wants to bless him. She says in verse 3, she said, If only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Now, Naaman is the commander of the army. And then listen to a slave. Are you kidding me? I tell slaves what to do. Slaves don't give me advice. But she said she was zealous. She said to her mistress, just tell him. Just tell him there's a prophet. He can be cured. 
She was zealous for God. She trusted God. She believed that with God, all things are possible. Another of my quotes, God is good at doing the impossible. He's good at it. Does it all the time. This is the story of the good Israelite, not the good Samaritan. She's got a heart. She didn't let her situation dominate her. She had her problems, but she still had a heart for others, especially Naaman. Now, you might find yourself in a situation where you feel, I'm like, I'm like a servant. I'm like a slave here. The way to get out of it is to show your colors as a Christian. Remember when I got saved way back, 1974, on the 24th of October, 1974, I got saved. And in 1976, I got a call up to go and fight on the, now Namibia, is it Angola, hey, border up there. And it's a, it's a terrible feeling, at one child, and my wife was pregnant with my second child. And you just suddenly get this call, and like two weeks, you've got to be in Bloemfontein, because, you know, we're fighting. And I could have just got all bitter and twisted and, What's this all about? You know, blah, 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 blah. I wasn't really a big army guy, but, you know, what? So I went to the army. My son was born. Sheldon was born here in, well, in Port Elizabeth, and I was there. I went to them and said, can I please go home? My wife's pregnant. She's going to have a baby. How many kids do you have? I said, one. She said, they said, she knows what to do. No. So when I got home, he was one month old. And he was blonde, and we've got no blondes in our family. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I could have got all bitter and twisted. She could have got, I don't care. I don't care, but she had such a good attitude. Are you in a situation where <laughs> things are not good for you? Let me tell you what happened on the border. I decided, well, I must make the best of a bad thing. I never saw any action, never shot anybody. Thankfully, I didn't have any of that troubles. But I decided I'm going to read this book. So at night, I had a little light and I'd read the book. And guys were reading all sorts of disgusting books. And I wondered, how God am I going to do this? So the one night, I turned to the Song of Solomon. I lay with my back to the guys, and I started reading. I said, listen to this, guys. <laughs> and I started reading. And they bounced on my bed. What is that word? I said, it's the Bible. <laughs> and from that moment on, there was complete respect because I decided in my heart, I'm not going to let the circumstance get me down. I'm going to honor my God. This girl could have let the circumstance get her down. But she decided to honor God. Mustn't take too long on each point. It says in Luke 4, 27, and I'll just read it. You didn't get the, you didn't get it, you didn't get it, I didn't give it to you. As there were many, and, that, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman. And I'm telling you, it was put there so we know there's one little servant girl in captivity, sharing and speaking up for God. And it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. You speak up for God. God does the impossible. We never hear about her again. But one day, you'll meet her. If you know Jesus, you'll meet her. If you don't know Jesus, after tonight, we'll help you to get to know him. Because you must meet this girl. She is phenomenal. She's amazing. Good attitude. This is mentioned, I believe, because of the faithfulness of one apparently insignificant slave girl. Matthew 7, 12 was her verse, it should be ours. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now let me just also say this. There's been a call out of Joshua generation from Andrew to just be careful what you listen to and what you read. And the call wasn't don't listen and don't read. The call was read the book for a month. You know, I had a story of an old granny that, that, that died, and they found her reading glasses in the family Bible 23 years later. They never read the book. 
They never read the book. It was there, this fancy big Bible. You must read the book. And, and, and when a call like that comes, you say, because you've got a favorite, and I always listen to her or to him. Or, and listen, they can't help you when you get into trouble. They, they can't pass to you. They can't encourage you. They can't help you. But when, when, when somebody in authority speaks to us and says to us, look, I want you to do this. He's an apostolic guy. We honor the apostolic. The Bible says that we, we are devoted, we're dedicated to it. Not like slaves, but we're slaves to Christ. And Christ gives us men amongst us who understand the things of God better than we do. do you, don't you often listen to Andrew and think, where does he get that stuff? I sometimes say, where do you get that stuff? What are you reading? He says, the Bible. Huh? And we look. When I first got saved and I had to preach, I read books and I read things and I try to put stuff together. Oh God, and it's Friday night and I've got nothing. Oh God, oh God, what am I going to do? And it, I used to panic. Now, you know, he's my father. So I go to him and say, yeah, I'm Lord. That's what I want to do. I was praying for this meeting. And it was like that. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And then just like, it's like, I don't like light. Naaman, the story. Thank you, God. I know what to do. So, how would you have responded if you'd have been in this situation? Ask yourself the question. Because you don't belong to yourself. I don't belong to me. I've been bought. I've been bought with a price that no one else could pay. And now I'm free. Oh, but you can't be free. You don't belong to yourself. No, no. I said to Estian this morning, I, I said to him, Estian, I said, be yourself, brother. I said, I tried to be somebody else when I went into the ministry, and I discovered after a little while I had to be me, because everybody else was taken. It was only me. I could only be me. Be who you. You're not Ross. You're not Dimitri and Nikiforis. I now can say, I know a little Greek, and he's in my congregation. <laughs> he's there. Um, Naaman, let's get on to Naaman, otherwise I'm going to be here yeah, and the lights will go out and then everybody's, oh, commander of the army, great man in the sight of the king, highly regarded, valiant soldier, well respected, revered, honored, a favorite in the land, prime minister, he's made it, no problems here, oh, just one thing, he's got leprosy, so debilitating, so debilitating, and people looked at him, he was the man. He takes orders from nobody. He gives orders. He doesn't take orders. He gives orders. And the servant girl, the slave girl in his house, says to his wife, please tell him to go to Samaria because there's a prophet there and he can pray for him. He was as great as the world could make him. But the most despised of slaves would never have changed skins with him. He had everything, but he had nothing. Because leprosy, you know what leprosy was? Terrible, terrible disease. He follows the world's ways. He first gets a letter from his king, goes to the king of Israel. The king of Israel has a freak. But he uses the ways of the world. I'll go to those in authority. They will help me. They know. We'll go, we'll go to the higher echelons of society. They will get me right. The king freaks. So he decides, well, he'll go to Elisha's house. I love it. Verse 5, we read it. No shortage of gifts. Eh? I'm here now. I'm the man. Got all these gifts. Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He sends a servant. Tell me, go just dip himself seven times in the, in the Jordan. <laughs> The chariots, the horses, the whole things. I mean, what a degrading thought for the commander of the, of the army. To go, just go wash, bro. Seven times dip. <laughs> That's why he said, well, aren't there rivers where I come from? Why do I have to go to the Jordan? Went away in a huff. And then his own soldiers, who never, ever gave him any command, said to him, listen. Let me paraphrase. Listen, bro. Don't be a wally. Listen to the prophet. It will help you. 
and he relents. And you know the story. And he goes dip himself seven times in the Jordan. And I love the scripture. It says, and his skin became that of a young man. How we wish, eh, ladies? We could go dip you wherever. And then suddenly, <laughs> no more creams. Just perfect. I mean, amazing. Just think of all. It'd be amazing. Like the skin of a young man. What do you think Naaman's response to that was? He was totally blown away by the prophet's word to him that the God that he serves can heal him. And he did. And he did. Completely heals him. <laughs> uh, anger, hatred, hardness of heart, unbelief, his inner rays, he but he's a change of heart. He has never taken advice from them in his life. But now in two days, think, I don't know how many days, he takes advice from a slave girl and advice from ordinary oaks in his army. Sometimes, folks, sometimes. My quote, you can have it, I love it. Even those we don't want advice or prayer from are sometimes God's answer for us. Even the people we don't think can actually do it are God's answer for us. Many times, just up here, people, can, can I pray for you? And I think, oh, yeah, what the heck, pray for me. Pray, I can take all the prayer I can. Can I pray for you for this? You can give it a whirl. I had an issue. That held me back um, in a situation that I was in. And so, um, because Ross is the kind of guy that sucks blood out of a stone, sucked everything out of me. You know, Ross, Ross is younger than my youngest. Now, I think Et Estian's younger than Ross. I don't know. Now, I'm, I'm submitting to that, eh? Look, I've been there, done that. Got the T-shirt, sent the postcard, worn the shorts. I've done everything. But now I'm submitting. No, no. Gladly. 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 Because that's the order of God. Who, who am I? What do I? I know nothing. I had this issue. Ross. He said, listen, Brew, go and see Andrew and Liz East. <laughs> Me? <laughs> Andrew and Liz East. What is she? A mind doctor. She's a what? She's a counselor. So, well, whatever. Why don't you, why don't you come, 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 come in this afternoon? You can chat to us. And then we have a potluck supper for the young people in our congregation. And it can be an evening call, Ask Jeff. So I said, no, 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 no. I'm just coming to see you. I don't want Ask Jeff, nothing. Just, no, no, this is what we'll do. Anyway, long story, I go there. Now, I'm being told by Ross... This is what you should do. Now, my attitude could be, listen, Ross, I've lived twice as long as you and I have. I know a few things, bro. I mean, you know, you haven't had to face half the things I've had to face. You never even went to the army. You don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I felt, no, you know, God, God gives grace to the humble, and he opposes the proud. And I didn't want God to oppose me on anything. So I said, Ross, great idea. <laughs> and I went. And I told them my situation. And Liz said this to me. She said, you are just being vindictive. I said, how do you spell that? <laughs> what are you talking about? Me? Do you know me? She said, yeah, I do. You are being vindictive. Wow. Now it's supper and it's Ask Jeff and I've got to put on this. I'm fine. Everything's fine. God is so gracious. So I went home. We did have supper. We did have Ask Jeff. Lots of funny questions. Anyway, God, I'm up. Yeah. And then she said, you must do X, Y, Z. Now that's hard because they're so much younger than me, Lord. <laughs> they need to come to me. Why must I go to them? I'm, I'm not really wrong. They, they, they the pro no, you've got the problem. They haven't got a problem. And if you've got the problem, you go to them and sort it out. I'm Naaman. I'm not listening to slaves and little servants and 
people beneath me, then I've done it. So I went to them. And I explained my story. And do you know from that day, from that day, something broke. And it was a spiritual problem. And, and it, it, was, it was a powerful thing. that just, It just caused a rift. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. I don't care who you are in the world or what position you hold. Somebody might come to you who you think is a nobody and say to you, I think this... Check it out with God. Check it out with God. Get your heart right. Naaman had to do it. He got his heart right. Because God's ways are not our ways. Oh boy, have I found that out. Have I found that out. My ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Thirdly, the king of Israel. I'm doing well. I'm only... Just after half past, I'm going quite nicely. The king is embarrassed. He's embarrassed. Verse 7 and 8. Thanks. He put his, God has put his eyes on there. Well, well, well played, brother. Did I tell you to put Isaiah up? You did too, eh? By all means go, the king replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So name and left, take him with all the stuff. The letter, and then verse 7. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter... Tore his robes and said, my God, I mean, who's this idiot? What's he do? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured? See, he's just, he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. He's looking for trouble. And sometimes a leader can ask you to do something. And you'll say, no, I, 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 I'm not qualified. You are. You're a child of God, means you're qualified. But I've never done it before. You can do it for the first time. But how? Go and get help. Let me tell you a story. I was called one night. I've got so many stories. I took my 15-year-old granddaughter out. We had a date the other night. We went and had sushi, she and me. And, <laughs> and you know what? You sit there and people are looking. And you want to shout to the restaurant, she's my granddaughter. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, I'm, it's just my granddaughter. And when she got home, and she chatted, and I left, and Sheldon, my son, sent me a message. He said, Dad, she loved it. I said, what did you talk about? She said, Dad, Papa's got so many stories. <laughs> so many stories. Now I forgot the story. It was going to be a brilliant story. But God puts us into situations God puts us into situations where he wants us to take our eyes off ourselves and our situation and look at him. The king failed. Totally failed. He's the king. All he could have said, listen, what's your name? Name it, name and listen. I'm not the guy. Appreciate the letter. You're welcome in my country. There is a guy. I know him. His name's Elisha total panic because he thought he couldn't do it. I was called out one night, got my story back. <laughs> we, we were having supper with a couple, you'll know them, um, Evan and Tracy Rogers. Evan and, so they're having supper with us and I get a phone call. You better come quickly. My son has got a hand grenade and, well, he wants to pull the pin out and, and you're calling the pastor. I'll just sell your chickens when they need you. So I don't take. So I said to these, and acting brave, I said, listen, we've got a bit of a situation. Evan says, I'll come with you. <laughs> cool, bro. We leave the girls at home. Off we go. <laughs> and there's the guy. He's got it. He's lost two fingers on his hand in a previous accident. He's only got three on one hand. Still five, but he's holding it. We talk him down, talk him down, talk him down. Long story. I start praying for him because he's, demonized. He's got hojos. He's got lads that don't pay rent that need to be evicted. And after an hour, I'm sweating. Because you know what? I know nothing. I don't know anything about demons. Nothing. But I'm praying the best in the name of Jesus. And he spoke to me in a voice I didn't know, which was the demon speaking to me. And the demon said, you sweating and I'm staying. I wanted to slap him. And I thought, no, that's not him. I said, come back to me. Yeah, well, where have you been? 
Oh, no, no, what happened here? I didn't know. Evan, <laughs> I've never heard Evan pray so much in my life. He was praying. We didn't get rid of the devil because I've subsequently learned only pray for people who want to be free. And don't let devils make appointments with you. I got a phone call two o'clock in the morning. Were you sleeping? Yeah. It's two, two o'clock. Pastors, you know, we waft through the night. We don't sleep. I don't know if that's the mentality. I just wanted to tell you that what we spoke about two nights ago, you were right. I said, well, wonderful. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning. Then they said, so, you know, I'm ready to be prayed for now and I can, I can get free. Can, we, can you come? I said, now, yeah. I said, no, don't be daft. I will, I'll, I'll, I'll phone you in the morning because I'd learned by then. I'd, they don't phone me, I phone them because they will make me run around like a proverbial chicken with its head chopped off. That's what the demonic does, makes you tired. Run, 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 run. I'm busy for Jesus. No, you're being a wally. You're not busy for Jesus. No. Like this king, this king, I learned you can do it. You can lay hands on people. You can pray for the sick. You can get rid of devils. You can operate in the name of Jesus. You can lead people to Christ. You can pray for people for the baptism of the Spirit. You can do that. Say so you can. Oh, a great response. We can do it. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not me. It's not me. That's why it's important to have time with Jesus. Because what I give away is not me. It's what Jesus has put in me. Then there's power. Oh, I've seen devils go. I've seen them go. It's beautiful. I was at the TMT. No devils at TMT. I was preaching on, I don't think, <laughs> speaking on the baptism of the Spirit. And they all came to line up in the front. And I just walked to them, and they all just started speaking in tongues. Do you remember? No, you weren't there. You weren't there. They, who knows when it was? It's, I can't remember times and dates. <laughs> Today is the day, brother. <laughs> Cares about tomorrow. <laughs> they just, but it's, it's what God puts in you. You can do it. You're still with me? <laughs> I don't know where we're going. How do you react when someone comes to you and says, look, can you help me? Uh, uh, let me phone the pastor. No. No. Help them. Help them. Help them. You call on the name of the Lord. And you've got someone who is the Lord God living in you. It's called the Holy Spirit. And he, the Bible says, will lead you into all truth. Amazing. You're cleverer than you think. You're smarter than you think. You're more able than you think. Because we think too lowly of ourselves. But God has put his life in us. I'm reading at the moment about what we were seeing, the greatness, the glory, the magnificence of God. And I, every morning I just sit there stunned. I think the God of creation lives in me. Hey, bro. Come on, world. Make my day. Try. I've got... You know what I'm saying? It's incredible. But we forget. We forget who we are and what we've become. In Christ you can do all things. Don't be like the king. Don't be unprepared. These are days of preparation. Let me just prophesy to you. The church is coming under attack. The church is heading for lots of trouble. Now you say, well, that's not a very kind word. It's honest though. Because all the stuff they're passing in Parliament, all these little laws and things, if I preach in a church and I say, and if you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. People say, oh, that's, you know, you're not allowed to say that. It offends me. Help me, Jesus. But it's true. This young man was at school and he went into the gender-neutral bathrooms because he thought, great idea. I'll go in there. <laughs> and he found this young girl and well, how's that? And so the young girl went and told her dad and said, somebody who identifies as a female was in our bathrooms today and he was kind of chatting me up and making me feel a bit, you know, uneasy and awkward. So he dropped her at school. She said, there he is, there, dad, there he is. 
Oh man got out of the car, punched him in the mouth, knocked his teeth out. They took him to court. They said, how dare you do that? He said, he identifies as a female. I identify as the tooth fairy. <laughs> That's how stupid it's becoming. That's how stupid, but, but, we, we their target. We their target. They don't want the Christians. They don't want the Christians to bring their message. And it's prophesied. Folks, get yourself ready. Make yourself strong. Fourth person, Elisha. Hallelujah. 1 Kings 17, 1 says this. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe. It's not Elijah, but you don't hear of Elijah. Then suddenly in 1 Kings 17, it says, Now, Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe. And Elisha was Elijah's disciple. And Elisha got twice as much anointing as Elijah did. And there are 16 recorded miracles of Elijah, and there are 32 recorded miracles of Elisha. Amazing, eh? The Bible tells the truth. We all want to be like him, but this is what it says about 1 Kings 19, 21. Thank you, uh, Rodney. I did give you that. So Elisha left Elijah, went back, took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. You know how many oxen that is? John? How many oxen usually? Never less than six, eh? In a yoke. Slaughtered them, burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, gave it to the people that ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. He gave up everything. He gave up everything. In these days, in these days, we must be prepared to give up for Christ. You must. Now that doesn't mean you, you behave like a ponce, you know, and, sell everything and then you have to bum off people and because no, I'm not saying that but give yourself give your life give your heart give your everything Elisha was prepared to do that he wanted to yeah don't try and be like Elisha you're not Elisha was rude eh? I mean he was just rude imagine sitting parking off what's your address what's your address yeah your address yeah you had how much Imagine, imagine Naaman coming down to invent, no, he's sitting on his computer, she's cooking, uh, what's the dog's name? Juno. Juno <laughs> says, you know who's at the door. <laughs> and he says to Sophie, just go tell him to wash seven times at Musenberg Beach. <laughs> and Sophie goes out and says, my dad says, just, uh, you, you, where's, where's your dad? No, he's busy. Elisha was rude. Rudeness is not a gift. Although some would say, no, I won't go there. <laughs> you remember Elijah with Ahab? One Kings, can't remember the, I didn't give it to you, Rod, don't worry. And he sees Ahab, and Ahab says to him, you troubler of Israel, you're causing trouble for me. And Elijah says, no, you the troubler. Now, Confidence in God can often be seen as arrogance. And we must be careful that our confidence doesn't spill over into arrogance. I can be confident, but I mustn't be arrogant. Old Testament prophets were blunt. They were offensive. John the Baptist, you whitewashed sepulchers. Imagine telling the Pharisees, you bunch of serpents, you snakes, you like whitewashed sepulchers. Don't you come and give that to this church, China. But that's what they were like. Last of the Old Testament prophets. He was straightforward. We live under the new covenant, guys. There's a big difference between arrogance and rudeness and being confident. Confidence in God stirs faith. Arrogance will see you down. I have a confidence in what? I can do all things through him. I've got nothing. You know that famous scripture Jesus said, without me you can do Nothing. I looked up the Greek word for nothing, it says. Nothing. 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 Zilch. Zero. Zip. Nothing. I can give away a lot. But it will not benefit people in their walk with God unless I've been drawing from him and I give away what he's given me. Elijah was that man. Confidence in God comes from knowing God. Paul said it in Philippians. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
A mighty miracle takes place. Naaman wants to bless the prophet. You will get into situations. You don't have to be full-time. We're all full-time. I've had situations where God has done things. People want to give you things. No, 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 no. No, please. No, 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 no. They want to bless you. Be careful you don't fall into the trap. Be careful you don't fall into the trap. Elisha said, no, I won't take any of it. Remember David? David said, oh, just for a drink of water from the well in, was it Bethlehem? Remember? And his mighty men said, we'll go get it, brother. And off they went, fought off Philistines and other irons and every, and came back with the water, said, David, your water. And he poured it out. He said, I can't drink it. I can't drink it. I'm going to do, give it as an offering to God. That's the heart. Always all for God. Always all for God. And that's what Elisha learned. I said Elisha did 32 miracles. If you read the book, near the end, there's no 32. This is the 32nd miracle. Show me, Rodney. 1 Kings, 2 Kings 13. Once, listen to this, once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood on his feet. Now you can imagine the raiding party. There we go. There's a funeral. Let's get a body in. Oh my word. He's alive. Whoa. That was his 32nd miracle. Bringing the dead to life with his bones. With his bones. Elisha was prepared to, forgi- to, to give up in order to get. And then the last guy, and I'm, oh, I'm going over by four minutes. Forgive me. I'll pray for forgiveness afterwards. Then there's Gehazi. Gehazi thinks, oh well. My master's a bit of a wally, really. It's a great opportunity. Be careful when people come and offer, or people visit you and offer, and someone in the fam doesn't think they've been a bit, you know, we, we deserve. And he goes and runs down Elisha and says, listen, man, and Elias, two prophets from the school of the prophets have come, and, you know, we need a few things. And I like Elisha's response. Elisha says this to him, in, uh, he says, where have you been? And, the, and then he says this, he said, was not my spirit with you when the man got down? Is that God calling or is it? It's okay, he's hung up. You've got to answer quick, eh? Isn't there another scripture? I'm just thinking now. Um, where there were gifts. So thinking about that put me off. Okay, it doesn't matter. Temptation is very subtle. Very subtle. Especially when we are in touch with those who have a fair share more of what we don't have. Sit in people's lounges in well, mm, mm, mm. look nice in my place. I'm not saying never receive their generosity, but stay alert to stay alive. Faith with hints is not faith, but it's also not dead. Faith without hints is not dead. People hint, eh? Don't do it. Don't do it. James 1, 14 and 15, and I'll end with this. But each one is tempted. It's still, James is saying, you know, God doesn't tempt anyone. He said, but when each one is tempted when by his own evil desires, dragged away and enticed. So you, 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 you get tempted, and then you... It's not physical drag away, tricking, scheming, don't take me, I'm not going, I'm going to fight you. No, it's just, it's a, it's a heart attitude. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And let me just say this. I'm going to be 50 years walking with Jesus next year. When I sing that song, all my life, you've been faithful. That just hits me, eh? Because... I'm not the best by far, but he has kept me through thick and thin, through thick and thin. And when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. 
What's death? Not physical. Uncle Adam and Auntie Eve's death. Spiritual death. And we separate it from God. God never separates himself from us. We separate ourselves from him through sin. We just get further. And it takes a long time. The devil is sneaky. He's sneaky. If you are struggling with a particular thing, I'm going to plead with you tonight. Stop it. The directing elders tease me because we did those morning devotions through, at COVID time. And I did a devotion and, and, and I said, a lady came to me once, <laughs> Susan, I'm not going to look at you because I'm not, and she said to me, please will you pray for me to stop swearing? I said, no. She said, well, I said, just stop it, man. Prayer for stop swearing, just stop it. You've got the power of God in you, what's your problem? So <laughs> I said, Russell, Russell Fraser sends me a clip of some comedian Bob Newart, who's acting as a psychiatrist, and this lady comes to him, and she's scared of being buried alive in a box. And he says, well, I've got three words for you. She said, do I need to take them down? He said, no, you'll remember them. She said, what is it? He leaned forward. He said, just stop it. <laughs> so now I'm being, I'm being labeled as just stop it. Just stop it. But listen to me. Sin entices us. It, it drags us. It's slow, but it's like a poison just drags you away, just slowly paralyzes you to the life of God. Who you like tonight? You like the little servant girl? No, it doesn't matter what my circumstances, I'm going to honor God. You like Naaman, man of authority, woman of authority in a position? You don't take advice from anyone. Just humble yourself. Are you the king of Israel. Don't come to me. I can't help you. What do you think I am? I can't, you know, I can't raise the dead. Well, you'd be surprised what God can do through you. I mean, you know, every Sunday Dylan and I try and raise the dead. We preach. <laughs> it says the dead in Christ will rise first.